Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. What's up, guys? I hope you are having an amazing week, despite it being Mercury in retrograde. Um, a lot of people during this time are always like, you know, fuck my life. Everything is crazy, but I actually enjoy this time because it gives us a look back at like what it is that we need to kind of clean out before we move forward. So what a better time than amazing, beautiful fall. It's, uh, gotten cold here and I love sweater weather. So I'm super excited. Um, just a few housekeeping things. If you guys are, first of all, thank you guys for leaving your messages about Spiritual Shit's birthday. Really appreciated that. And we put some of that stuff up on our Instagram. And then um, if you want to be or have your paranormal story featured on Halloween, there's still a few more days to submit your story. The link is below this episode where it says send in a message and hopefully we'll hear from you for a very spooky episode. Uh, Right now we're getting ready to go into our listener questions. So let's get on with it. Hey, Leah. Love the show. Um, I wanted to ask a specific question about spirits and guides. So recently, I've been a lot more intentional about wanting to make a connection with my grandma. She's been gone for over 15 years, and I always thought she would come to me in like a dream or something, but it never happened. So a couple of nights ago, I was getting ready for bed, and you know, I was washing my face and putting on my serums, and out of nowhere, I got this feeling that was really familiar, but also really far away. It felt like she was standing literally right behind me and I could feel her. So I continued kind of with my nighttime routine and kind of weird things started happening. My thumb got really, really sore and I it was almost like throbbing and I couldn't take the cap off of the toothpaste. And this has literally never happened to me in my adult life. So eventually I just kind of started laughing because it honestly felt like she was playing games with me. So I guess my question to you is, how do you know if something's a sign or if you've just had a really long day? Thank you for your question. I would say, you know, first things first, believe yourself, believe in your intuition, believe that whatever you are feeling is real to whatever degree you believe it's there. I know a lot of people are often looking for proof in some kind of way, but I think that spirit begs the question of more faith than actual proof. If it was that significant to you, you must have felt something. And 
I don't think that say, say that it was completely just a long day. Would you lose any benefit than to think that, you know, your grandmother had visited you in some capacity, right? And I'm not saying like everybody just imagine and live in woo land and don't look for things that are actually real. But what I am saying is that we have such a stigma of our own intuition and the things that we feel that we don't trust it when it does come to us. And perhaps your grandma has come to you in dreams before, but maybe you don't remember, or maybe she's been around before, but maybe you weren't as open as you are now to be able to receive those messages. The second thing is, is that I would look up the metaphysical meaning for thumb pain. And I I looked it up and uh, the thing, there's multiple meanings for it, but the one that stood out to me the most was the willingness to be able to receive something. And if you are in any way right now having trouble receiving messages from her or uh, wanting to become more open to be able to receive messages from her, to me, that would have been the sign to look up with a metaphysical meaning of the body sensation that you were having to say, hey, in this moment, we're trying to open you up more to be able to receive these messages or that you would you would actually just receive this one that, you know, I was here, that I was around. So you know, sometimes we do have long days. I have long days and I'm like, did I see a shadow in the corner? And it's like, yeah, I just probably need to put my contacts in. But ultimately, (laughs) um, you know, think about where your mind was at. Think about what your body felt like. Think about, you know, what felt familiar? What smells did you have? What sensations did you have in the body? Were there chills? Was there heat? Was there pain? Um, And usually, usually those are pretty significant uh, presences, presence that come And uh, actually for myself, when people come around, I get immense amounts of chills. And it's funny because like when you watch things like um, Sixth Sense, they they always show like, I can see my breath. And essentially to me, it's like, well, I can't see my breath, but I do get chills all over and it doesn't stop. So my body signals off and the hair stand up on my arms and then overwhelmingly I get hot. And so it starts in with the chills and then all of a sudden it rushes in with heat. So I've recognized that that's been a symbol for me when spirits are around, but your body may respond differently. So start to play with that. Ask her if she'll be around. Have you ever asked her directly, hey, will you come and visit me? Will you show me a sign? Will you come and visit me in my dream? And then try to play with that energy, make a journal and see like, okay, last time this is what I felt versus this time. And maybe you'll be able to create your own dictionary around whether or not, you know, you're seeing or feeling someone. And I advise everybody to do that if they're trying to make connection with their spirit guides or, um, you know, their ancestors in some kind of way, write, write these instances down and be able to, you know, compare them with each other to start building more confidence in what it is that you're experiencing. So thank you for your question. I hope that answers it. And now let's get on with today's episode. I'm super excited because we have organic Olivia and it's going to be a good one. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. So you can also hear our weekly wisdom card. Olivia Amitrano is the founder and creator of organic Olivia. Her personal lifelong struggles with her health inspired her to turn to herbs, traditional Chinese medicine, and Ayurvedic principles to find alternative ways to heal. She's focused on the root cause and never just the symptoms. Olivia is an herbalist, an entrepreneur, developing her own herbalist brand to help people heal with plants, a blogger, and most notably, an educator. Leveling up in 2020 with What's the Juice, she created a podcast as multifaceted as its listeners. 
What's the Juice is an extension of Organic Olivia, which started as a blog, but quickly morphed into a fierce community of like minds on a divine path of learning, growing, and healing. Our greatest tools are traditional wisdom, she says, herbal medicine, and the brave willingness to explore our own behavior and psychology. Each episode is an opportunity to synthesize her education in herbalism, psychology, and a lifetime of health issues into valuable, tangible tips on how to heal and thrive. This young woman is on a mission to understand the human condition while sharing both present chapter of her life as well as the lessons she's learned getting there. She brings a great deal of wealth to the health sector and her followers. Please welcome Olivia to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aliyah Lovely, and today we have Organic Olivia, who is a chart-topping podcast host in the functional medicine slash uh, blending traditional and scientific beliefs in the medical field. She's also a clinical herbalist. Say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Aliyah. We're super excited to have you because you are someone who um, number one, I've just gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of other people about how obsessed people are with you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> and just like how much they, they are excited about the information that you bring to the table and how authentic it is and, um, how like you really believe in what it is that you're offering your audience and people just fucking love you. So, um, before <laughs> we get into all the fun stuff, because today we're going to talk about, this uh, clinical herbalist lifestyle and what this means and talk about the folklore and all that fun, all that fun stuff. Um, but before we get there, like, I know you've had quite a journey mm-hmm. and specifically with your health. And so can you give people kind of in-depth review about what it is that you went through to arrive at this journey? Yeah, I think it's a, a really um, poignant question, especially at this moment in time after the year that, you know, I've had with my parents and COVID because kind of seeing their health um, nosedive so quickly when it came to this virus and it just kind of highlighted not only their habits, but the habits that I grew up with and how I even got to that place in the first place so young with my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically the the story goes that I just grew up in the nineties, right? So like TV dinners and (laughs) microwavable Jimmy Dean breakfast sausage sandwiches with like the fake cheese. And like, I don't think I ever, yes, Lunchables. I don't think I ever ate a vegetable. Like my mom was, was always the breadwinner and working and, um, you know, like getting master's degrees in teaching and like doing all that stuff. So she never cooked. She was just not very domestic, which I think I kind of inherited from her, although I'm doing better. (laughs) Um, And my dad like would like to cook, but he would make sloppy joes. And he, you know, he worked with his dad at like a deli and made sandwiches and whatever. So I just kind of, I just didn't really have a great start in life in terms of nutrition, but also in terms of, um, you know, the congenital health that I inherited from my parents, because mm. both of my parents had a lot of health issues themselves. And my mom was um, really, really sick and, uh, you know, very overweight when she had me. I think she was like a little over 300 pounds, even and she ended up getting gastric bypass surgery. And she had so many health complications due to, um, you know, her physical state. She had fatty liver. She had all of these things going on. Um, that I actually even recently just found in her medical records. Like I was cleaning out her stuff and I saw these reports from doctors like breast cysts, fatty liver, this, mm-hmm. like all of these things she was diagnosed with that even I didn't know about. Cause obviously yeah. I was like one years or two years old at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> so her health was really poor when she was pregnant with me. 
when I was growing up, um, her and my parent, uh, her and my father dealt with a lot of addictions as well. So they like smoked for 25 years and then went from a cigarette addiction to like a food addiction. And they, it was just a lot. Like I inherited a lot of this trauma and then not yeah. to mention the emotional trauma as well from yeah. just cycles in my family. I think my family has been really disconnected and in a lot of pain, especially for the last few generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just as a child, sick all the time, even when I was born, like within the first few days of life, I had to be put on like cymethicone drops for gas and colic because I was so, so, so miserable mm-hmm. and was reacting to everything. I couldn't do any sort of formula, was totally allergic to dairy. I had to switch to like rice formula because I couldn't mm-hmm. even do the soy or anything like that. So I was hyper, hyper, hyper sensitive from birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that, especially the colic and the stomach issues, just never went away and just continued to get worse as I got older. So, um, you know, growing up, I would have infections all the time. Like I remember my mom trying to sneak antibiotics into like a Wendy's cheeseburger to try to get me (laughs) to take them because that's how often I was taking antibiotics, just constantly destroyed my microbiome. Like Mm -hmm. it just was so casual for us. And my parents were on a lot of pharmaceuticals. So I just kind of felt like that was normal. Yeah. Um, And I even remember when I told my mom, like, hey, mom, I think I have that thing. I think I'm depressed like you are her reaction was kind of like, I guess instead of being uh, upset or having sympathy, she was kind of just like, oh, like, welcome to the club. Now we can connect on that. And she was just like, great, we'll get you an antidepressant. We'll go to the doctor. We'll do this. Like, it was just so normal to be like, okay, great. Let's put a pill on it. Hmm. So that was the lifestyle I was raised in. And I had this one friend too, who um, her brother, like her mom made them eat really, really healthy. They were like Mm -hmm. the crunchy family Mm -hmm. that I knew. Yeah. And so like, they would be having like, you know, organic puffs with rice milk in the morning instead of dairy in their cereal. And I would go to their house and be like, there's nothing here that I ever want to eat. Like I only ate peanut butter and Wonder Bread exclusively. Mm-hmm. And one time her, her little brother was like, you know, you're so fat. Why don't you go eat a cheeseburger? And I was like, why don't you go eat something organic? <laughs> and now I'm organic living. So it's very, yeah. <laughs> just to really highlight the juxtaposition of like the lifestyle in which I grew up in, yeah. the habits in which I grew up in. It, it was a lot. And I, I feel like I just, I don't know, it, it just all came to a head when I was like 15 or 16. And especially when I went into college, I was just so tired of being on a million different meds. I was on meds for cystic acne, always taking doxycycline and antibiotics. I was on antispasmodic medications for IBS. I was on antidepressants. I was on anything that you can imagine. Um, and I was only like 16. So I started to kind of get a little scared because I'm like, if I'm this young and I see my parents' health and I see how many medications they're on and how miserable they are, like, what's going to happen to me? And I just couldn't live like that any longer. I I couldn't even socialize because I had so much gas and stomach pain all the time that I was just so embarrassed. And even learning how to drive at 16, I would have to pull over the car and like just go into fetal position sometimes because of how badly my stomach hurt. Hmm. So I ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to (laughs) be pre-med in college. I am going to not only figure this out for myself, figure out my health issues, but I'm going to use that to help others figure their own issues out. So I had this whole plan and I I got into college, got a scholarship, was so excited, began the pre-med program. And of course they try to thin out the herd as much as possible when you enter pre-med because they want to make sure you're serious. Yeah. 
So it's like nine classes because one is just like a um, auditorium lecture hall, but that's just, it's so much, it's so much stress. Mm -hmm. And that was not conducive to my plan of, oh, I'm going to do this to heal myself. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that was yeah. just making everything <laughs> making so it worse. worse. Yeah. So um, I started having even more symptoms pop up. Not only did I have the really bad cystic acne on my face, I started getting cystic acne on my back. I started getting lumps in my armpit and my groin. Like my lymph nodes were clearly very, very, very swollen. I would go to the doctor like before my chemistry class in the morning before my 8 a.m., and he would run tests and he'd be like, yeah, your liver enzymes are super elevated, but I don't know why. He's like, maybe you have some kind of an autoimmune thing. Um, and he told me, you know, with autoimmune disease, he said, even if I think right now that you're going to get an autoimmune disease, he's like, I can't see it on the labs yet. So there's nothing I can do. You're just going to have to wait until you get really sick and then come back. Ugh. So I started to realize like, this is what my doctor's telling. He's not giving me any kind of solutions. And in fact, he would push things on me. I would go in to see him for all of these physical health issues I was having. And he would just say, by the way, I know you're in college and you're pre-med. You have a future ahead of you. You need to get on birth control. And I was what? like, okay. Excuse you. <laughs> um, I was just like, I, I guess I was like, I'm practicing safe sex, but like, if that's what you think is best for me, he's just like, yeah, that's not foolproof. You need to be on birth control. So he prescribed me birth control in the midst of all these health issues while I'm super stressed. And I ended up getting a condition called erythema nodosum within 48 hours of taking the birth control, oh where I had God. welts all up and down my legs that were like hot and red and swollen. And I went to him. I had my friend rush me to his office and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I already looked this up online. It's a side effect of oral contraceptives for some people. And he was like, that's not true. This can't be from the birth control. And then he WebMD'd it in front of me and was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. my God. You're and at that point, doctor? I was just like, dude, and, and he's a really, I mean, he's a really well-known doctor. He's actually an infectious disease specialist that like played a role in discovering one of the herpes family viruses. So, And literally Googled in front of you. Googled in front of me. So then I was just like, we are not doing this. So I was in um, a chem lecture one day and I had like gotten an email from him like, yeah, your enzymes are still elevated. We'll try something else. And I just remember getting this rush of heat in my body. My skin was like almost like a little yellowing at that point because my liver was not happy. I was so constipated. I was so miserable. I was sitting there in so much pain. My stomach was just in knots. And I was like, I need to go do something right now. And I just ran out of that lecture hall and I got into my car and I drove, I put in like Yelp because this was, I don't know, 2011 or so. Uh -huh. So I put into Yelp, um, acupuncture or Chinese medicine doctor near me. And yeah. I don't know why that was my first um, like <laughs> inkling of who I should go to because obviously there's so many holistic modalities, yeah. but it makes so much sense because traditional Chinese medicine really is my true love and the diagnostic model that I now use when assessing clients. So mm. I, I guess I just intuitively had that connection from jump, right? Yeah. So I Googled it. I found it on Yelp. I drove right to this acupuncturist and I walked into his, his like office and he just looked at me and was like, stick out your tongue. Cause I guess he could see my skin was a little funny. It's like, stick out your tongue. And I stuck out my tongue and he's like, oh my God. He's like, you have so much damp heat in your liver. Your liver is so unhappy right now. And I'm like, dude, you did, you just looked at my tongue and my doctor's <laughs> been testing my enzymes for weeks and you knew this. 
he goes, oh, and by the way, you have a ton of parasites. He's like, I can just see that in your tongue. You have parasites, you have fungus, you have a lot of stuff going on in your gut. And I was like, oh my God, is that why I've had so many stomach issues for years? Because obviously I had gone through the conventional stool tests with yeah. that same doctor yeah. and every time it would come up negative. And I would be referred to a gastro and they would do like an abdominal ultrasound and be like, everything's fine. But come to find out that those conventional stool tests, like, of course, you're not going to get a parasite out in your stool because it's alive and it's latched onto your intestines. So in, unless yeah. you're actively killing something, you're not really going to see anything in your stool yeah. or even find it. So that's why nowadays with functional labs, we have things like GI map, which mm -hmm. can actually DNA test for the bugs in your gut, or they can mm -hmm. find DNA fragments of what's in there. So there's a lot more sophisticated testing now that's still kind of new to the market and used solely by integrative and functional practitioners, but at least we have them because right. I was getting no answers. So <laughs> this guy was like, listen, I need you to take this liquid every night and two ounces of cranberry juice. I need you to take these yeast and parasite pills and I need you to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do anything because my, my lymph nodes were so swollen at that point and I was miserable. I was just in pain. And I went home that week and within a few days of drinking his concoctions and taking these pills, it was like, not only did my lymph nodes just shrink, but even the cystic acne spots on my face just started to like flatten. They were mm -hmm. still there, but I could just see the change in how the heat and the inflammation was just sucked out of them internally. Yeah. I'm just like, what is in these herbs? Like, what, yeah. what are these? And of course, from that moment on, I was sold. Yeah. So just the fact that someone could look at my tongue and yeah. see something, I'm like, oh, I need, I need to learn what window he's looking through here. I need to mm -hmm. see this lens for myself because I love patterns. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is for me. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> this is, I think it's amazing though, because what, you, what happened was is that you got to an intolerable pain point. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I have to do something. Your, your body, your intuition kicked in and said, and chose essentially what ended up helping you first when you listened to yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's insane. I love that. So like out of that process, you then um, discovered more about these herbs and started to be in the process and healing yourself. So like what, like obviously herbalism uh, looked appealing to you because it, mm -hmm. it helped you firsthand fix yeah. what you'd been struggling with for so long. And obviously, um, you know, athopathic, is it athopathic medicine? Allopathic. Allopathic. Yeah. Medicine <laughs> is, has its place and is, um, you know, good and saves lives, of course, but you decided to go this, what we call alternative medical yeah. route, um, which is not alternative. It's the original. <laughs> Yes. So talk it to is. us about what herbalism is and like essentially like what it does with the body, how people work with it and so on. So the fun thing is that the universe constantly humbles me because as much as I swung so far in that alternative direction after having that terrible experience, obviously this year with my parents almost dying from COVID, I swung in the whole other direction of like, okay, allopathic medicine, of course, is life-saving and has its place. And what's really missing in the world is the bridge between the two. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I love herbalism actually, because again, I started off pre-med. I started off with this science brain. I love to dig into studies. I always say I'm all about plants and PubMed because PubMed mm -hmm. is like the database with all yeah. the, the scientific <laughs> studies, right? So, um, you know, I had already had that background of, you know, taking statistics and looking into study models and analyzing data to see if it was high quality. 
And so when I started to learn things about herbs and dip my toes and even looking at the ingredients of what that guy gave me, I would find studies really kind of backing up what I was feeling in my own body. And I was thinking, the science is here. Like the data is totally here to support and legitimize whatever this is, herbal medicine. I didn't even have a name for it at that time. But the science is there. Why why is there this lack of communication between two sides? And I think that's when I realized, okay, my purpose with switching my modality from allopathic to traditional and seeking out um, you know, more of a traditional herbal education is to eventually be the person that connects these two worlds because I can speak both languages. I really right. resonate with the tradition and I love that I feel like time, the test of time is the best clinical evidence you can get, but obviously yeah. academia and the scientific community does not feel that way. It has to be a repeatable, randomized yeah. clinical trial yeah. and results. So for me, both, both pieces of evidence are enough, but that just motivates me further to find um, the data and even the anecdotes to work with people and see for myself that these herbs actually do what they say they're going to do. And here's how they can complement the incredible world of modern medicine that we know. Mm-hmm. So the thing about herbs, your question, you know, in terms of like, what is herbal medicine? How do we interact with it? Is that I would say herbs are more modulators rather than overt like medications. Yes, they're medicine. Yes, they can create really deep changes within the body, especially when used long term and over time. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to give you that quick punch, one, two magic bullet fix that yeah. medication will. Yeah. And of course, if you have a, life-threatening infection, you need the quick one-two punch in the antibiotics for sure. Stick an IV in there even. But if you have something like a chronic gut infection, like the parasites that I had and the the candida that I had in my gut or, you know, SIBO or H. pylori that often we know doesn't even respond all that well to antibiotics in all humans. What are those things, by the way? So these are all different types of uh, gut infections that you can have because Mm -hmm. the gut is tissue just like anything else. When you have inflammation in your skin when you get a bruise or I mean a cut right like you fall off your bike you get a gash it's an open wound right it's Mm -hmm. inflamed it's red you're you're having all these immune cells gush here to repair it that's a vulnerable area right so that area on your outer skin is going to be very vulnerable to infection which is why we put on a band-aid or you know neosporin or you know herb something antimicrobial to protect that vulnerable area your gut is the same it's still epithelial cells it's still Mm -hmm. skin it's just inside your body but your gut gets inflamed the same way. You're not falling off a bike and tearing your skin, but you can absolutely tear your gut. You can, um, you know, have like tiny little perforations is what I mean. Leaky gut, things like that. And this is from you things can, that we're eating. Yes. You can eat things that inflame you, things that you're allergic to just create this like chronic, low grade, constant level of kind of like heat and redness. Think of it like mm-hmm. just irritation yeah. in the mucous membrane of your gut and the lining of your gut. And over time, again, that irritation and inflammation in that tissue is what makes it vulnerable mm-hmm. to overgrowths of either bacteria from the outer outside world right. or normal flora that exist within you naturally but are considered opportunistic. Mm-hmm. So we all have this balance within our, our own gut microbiome of you know pathogenic, opportunistic bugs that could create a problem. And then really good bugs that like bifidobacterium or lactobacillus that you'll find in any probiotic on a shelf that we know just pretty much exclusively do good things like modulate your immune system, synthesize B vitamins, et cetera. So you always want to have kind of like an 80-20 good bug to bad bug or opportunistic bug, let's say, ratio. Yeah. 
But when you're inflamed all the time, when your gut's inflamed, when you're eating foods that don't agree with you, when you have leaky gut, when you're exposed to heavy metals, when you have parasites or you know you travel and you get parasites, they can also, again, latch onto your intestines and create little perforations. That's when the opportunistic bacteria can go right in there and just start to reproduce because opportunistic bugs really enjoy unhealthy tissue. Mm-hmm. And that's where the terrain versus germ theory comes in where sure, we could blame the germ all we want. That's the past year germ theory. And we could say that the germ is what causes disease, which is true, mm-hmm. but there's duality here where yeah. what was the terrain that allowed that germ to make a home in that environment and be comfortable? Right. So how can we modulate the terrain? Exactly. Because an mm-hmm. antibiotic will work for germ theory. It'll, it'll knock out the germ. Yeah. But what happens when you knock out all your good germs and then your terrain is imbalanced and you're inflamed because you don't have the immune modulating good bugs? then you're just going to get something else again. So you need to really work long-term changing your diet, figuring out your individual triggers or sensitivities because we all have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, using botanicals and teas and just daily nourishing soothers and minerals and all of these things that we can consume that we have available to us that nourish and repair our gut and keep our gut healthy mm-hmm. because we are exposed to a lot of assaults on the gut every day. I mean, even something like pesticides. Pesticides are often metal-based. They have heavy metals in them. That really has an assault on the gut because metals are um, bactericidal, so they're going to kill off some of your good bugs. Mm -hmm. We're exposed to glyphosate. That's another pesticide that's a huge issue, and glyphosate we know totally destroys that, that gut barrier and creates leaky gut. So, you know, we, we live in a modern industrial age where we just are exposed to these stressors that the humans who came before us did not have to deal with mm-hmm. in terms of their microbiome. So that's kind of when I realized, okay, herbalism is this door that I can walk through that allows me to help people really maintain the base of their health long-term, which is their gut. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we can also be integrative and of course, again, turn to these modern medical inventions when we really need them but how can I just nourish and heal people and myself on a long-term basis? How do I, you know, create the antithesis of a quick fix in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, like everything that you just said, first of all, like listeners, if you're feeling overwhelmed, like, holy shit, I'm probably really unhealthy. I need to like absolutely kill my diet right now. <laughs> um, that would be, that was my first reaction. Like, oh wow. Like I could really start to fix some things. Um, through this process of this integration and allowing yourself to start to discover what the earth has to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've read in certain, uh, especially spiritualist folklore and stuff that says that for every ailment that we have, we have, um, a medicine that the earth gives us in order to heal ourselves. And so in fact, you came back from foundational sickness, foundational practices and foundational, um, barriers and things that have had broke that broke your health down in significant ways and you were able to step back from that. And so yeah. I believe it's your belief that you can heal yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so, have a very strong belief. of that. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so it's not too late guys. No, um, it's not. And also I, I just want to say in terms of the overwhelm, I totally get that. And I, I also never want to speak in a way that's like, Oh, you need to cut everything out right now. Food <laughs> is bad. Dairy's bad for everyone. Everyone has their own individual sensitivity. Right. So there's no like black and white with food. And I don't want to ever make people afraid of food. No, and I no. think the best way you can think of it is like, just what can I add right now? Because every little bit of just, even if you didn't change your diet at all and you still had like some fast food or whatever in your day, 
if you just added one salad or one serving of soup that had a bunch of different vegetables and starches and different types of fibers, already the polyphenols, the, the vibrant colors, the plant chemicals in those foods are going to go right into your gut. And those polyphenols create an environment for the good bugs. Mm -hmm. So you can just start adding things to your diet. Just start adding one by one little bits of color and herbs and more cilantro and more of this into your day. And you're already halfway there. And naturally you'll start to just, the, the bad stuff, quote unquote, will start to just fall away. Mm -hmm. Man, it just makes me feel so excited about the, what the human body can do. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause we talk about so many spiritual things on this, like the body also is this very spiritual, you know, like, uh, mechanism and machine. Um, mm -hmm. so I want to, I want to get like switch gears a little bit and get into kind yeah. of like the folklore that came behind, um, you know, spiritualists, not spiritualists, but like herbalists and how they thought that these particular medicines that came from the earth would protect people from certain spirits. And yeah, something about, um, how, you know, vampires, the archetype of vampire is like to ward them <laughs> off with garlic, you know, and like some yes. of the, so can you talk to us about some of those historical archetypes and how people utilize uh, earth's medicines towards protecting them from spirits? Yeah. So the same way that I think there's a little bit of truth in every lie, I think that there's a little bit of truth in every legend. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where the fun comes in of picking out like, what did this mean back in the day? And why did yeah. people use these herbs with success, quote unquote, for certain spiritual based issues? Yeah. Like, you know, quote unquote, evil spirits. Um, but connecting it to like, okay, what is that actually doing? Bringing it back to the science side of like, how is this actually modulating the body and the brain? And why did they have that effect from that herb, which shaped right. their religious or spiritual belief? Right. Um, so... <clears throat> I do think uh, with any kind of illness or imbalance in the body, there does come a, an emotional and spiritual imbalance and not saying that it's anyone's fault either. That's just right. the physical and the spiritual are so intertwined and the emotional, of course, um, that you kind of don't have one without the other. And you yeah. can hit it from both sides too. You can either, the same way with my with the parasites that I had, I was hitting them with herbs, but actually things really changed for me. And I started to pass even more parasites when I did some emotional work. And mm -hmm. I remember one day I told my mom, I forgive you. And I went home that night and passed parasites without taking any herbs. So it was a really interesting, I've seen it firsthand within my wow. own body. And that's something that maybe I would say to a super science-based person and they'd be like, all right, get out of my face. <laughs> but that's something that I've seen firsthand. And I've just seen changes in my physical health Mm -hmm. through going to therapy, through working on my belief systems, through being nicer to myself, through doing good things for other others, like actually becoming a better person spiritually mm -hmm. has made my health better physically. So I just want to preface it saying that there's always that connection. Yeah. And what's interesting about the herbs that used to be used back in the day for like protection against evil and spirits and entities, you could think of like parasites and gut dysbiosis, those pathogenic bugs mm -hmm. as quote unquote evil spirits and entities because everything yeah. has a vibration, right? Yeah. So I think back in the day, people didn't really have the wording that we do now to describe what was going on with someone. So when someone had a mental health issue, for example, like psychosis or schizophrenia or depression or anxiety, the explanation was kind of like, well, they're just possessed by spirits, right? Cool. Yes, exactly. It's got to be evil. And I think that that also is even ingrained in religion as well, right? Like right. it's, that's part of the, the piece of religion that keeps people stuck sometimes. Yeah. Anything we don't um, understand is evil. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't understand it. Why is this person acting like this? They must be possessed by a spirit. What's interesting about that is that they started to use very specific herbs to quote unquote ward away the evil spirits and they would help and they would work. So of course that just reaffirmed their belief that, oh, this herb wards away evil, yeah. <laughs> but then you <laughs> dissect what is evil. So, okay. What is, uh, you know, biologically, chemically behind a mental health imbalance, right? Usually a neurotransmitter imbalance. Mm -hmm. What about that brain, uh, that gut brain connection, right? Our gut bugs, we make serotonin there. We make a lot of neurotransmitters and we drive a lot of neurotransmitter production through not only our gut health, but our microbiome balance in there. So what was really happening to these people was that they were having some sort of uh, mental health issue due to nutrient deficiencies, due to um, maybe poor liver health, poor gut health, gut infections, maybe brain infections, because infections can go systemically. And they were being given these herbs that ward away evil. But really, now that we look at the science on those herbs, especially St. John's wort, which was used in Italian folkloric medicine, St. John's word is not only incredible for um, improving liver detoxification pathways, but it's very antimicrobial, very antiviral. It helps to modulate serotonin by modulating the gut. It's a digestive. It's a nervine. It calms the body. It's a neurotropo restorative. It literally helps to restore damage to nerves, to the brain. It's basically like a form of a brain adaptogen. And Shit. quote unquote, yeah, it's, it's an amazing herb. It's, it's my number one go-to herb for things like depression and anxiety. As long as someone's not already on an SSRI, it will interact with an existing SSRI because it is going to improve serotonin in yeah. the same fashion. So you don't want to yeah. do both, of course. So right. that's where like the integrative comes in. Because if someone's on an SSRI and it's working really well for them, as an herbalist, it is not my place to say, oh, hey, try this herb, right? Right. But if someone's coming to me where they fit the pattern of, okay, not only are they having some chronic pain, which St. John's work can also help with, but maybe they're having some signs of poor liver detoxification, such as hormone imbalance. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a history of Epstein-Barr virus or mono that keeps getting reactivated and St. John's word is an excellent antiviral. And maybe they're prone to depression. Mm-hmm. Those four things tell me, those four things basically help me to match the person to the personality of the herb. Because I know St. John's wort acts in all of those areas really uniquely. So the fact that this person is presenting with the exact St. John's word pattern of what that's good for, that's the herb I'm going to match them to and formulate with first and foremost. And then I'll choose my my helper herbs that are going to go into their formula. Um, So yeah, I I try to work with St. John's word a lot for things like melancholy and depression. And it's just funny to connect it back in the day that it, it helped to ward away evil, but really it's something that it really improves your mental and gut health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you just break it down. Now I wonder, like, how did they come upon that? Because it's like, we can look at that and say, okay, they decided that this is something that's good for evil spirits, but like someone had to try it. Someone had to go and forage and decide, okay, this is a particular herb that works for this. Who does that? How do they find that out and how did it work? God bless. Shout out to the ancestors who passed <laughs> because of trying poisonous herbs, because mm-hmm. I'm sure that many people sacrificed their lives yeah. eating plants and flowers and <laughs> met their demise that way so that we could have the information that we have today. So yeah. always grateful to those who came before us. And yeah, I think that's kind of how it happened. You're right. Someone started to munch on St. John's wort and it goes a little deeper there too, right? Because when you see a plant, there's a reason that you're attracted to it right on that spiritual level taking it back to like the real woo which Mm -hmm. i love you're when you see a plan you're like what is that Mm -hmm. i need to look that up 
the color of that flower really attracts me. What's, what's going on over there? That's mm-hmm. spirit speaking to you already. The spirit of the plant is calling you in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but even further than that, plants speak to us through their appearance. It's yeah. called the doctrine of signatures. So the way that a plant looks will actually tell you so much about what it does for the body when you're just sitting with it and looking at it. You don't even have to take it at first to participate in the medicine and learn from it. Yeah. So something like passion flower, for example, it has these little um, swirly, spirally tendrils that love to like uh, grab onto things around it so that it can mm-hmm. kind of vine up. And those little swirly tendrils, my teacher always says, it, it's a representation of those looping thoughts that passion flower is so good at squashing. <laughs> so you can see these things in the plant. So St. John's wort, right? It's this gorgeous. I, I definitely encourage you guys to Google St. John's wort flowers right now because they're so beautiful. Do it right now. <laughs> yes, yes, and and they have these gorgeous yellow flowers. And again, my teacher says these yellow flowers, they bring that solar energy to dark places in the psyche. Oh, wow. So already I think that we are, our original herbalists were very much philosophers in a sense, looking for these signs from the plants because that's all they had. They didn't have a lab. They didn't have scientific studies. So they were saying, what can this plant tell me just by looks, just by taste, right? If, if our ancestors tasted a plant or a root and it was really bitter, they already knew that it was going to have an action on the digestive system because every flavor in a plant serves a purpose. That's why we also do organoleptic testing with my herbal products because you have to make sure that the flavor is right. If it's supposed to be a formula that comes out really bitter and funky tasting, it better taste like that at the end because that's part of the medicine. Mm. The flavors actually tell your taste buds a lot, which talk to your brain, which creates part of that reaction. So- There's so many things you could learn from a plant by looking at it, biting it, tasting it, smelling it. <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, it's it's so cool though, because um, you know, when we think of ourselves and going back to nature, connecting back to nature, we're not separate from nature, right? We are a part of the earth. And in that connecting back with yourself, you're able to utilize that aspect of your intuition and your connection to earth and spirit to find things that are going to help you heal. Now, I was watching something funny. Um, one day I was looking up kind of like herbalist stuff here casually, and there was a plant that kind of looked very phallic and they were mm-hmm. like, and this plant helps with erectile dysfunction. And, this yes. is, and it's like, this is so crazy because it, the, the similarity in the way that it looked and what it did, um, and how the earth grows that. And, and there was something I was watching actually the other day that talks about, I'm going to completely botch it, but it was how humans see similarities in nature according to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so mm. even in space, when we looked at Mars and we saw that, the, oh, there's a face on the planet of Mars. And, you know, we identify things that look similar to us that we feel like we can relate to. And it's what our psyche does in order to kind of suss out if there's a threat or if there's not a threat or something like that. Is this person going to be friendly or not? And so when we go into nature, we tend to see faces or things that look like frogs or, you know, like things that we identify with. And mm-hmm. so in that process, I imagine that the, that the floral and herbal discovery process is very similar. So like for you, how do you then decide, like now you've discovered this thing, you know, all these things that the ancestors have essentially passed down, but what have you been discovering intuitively on your own? Mm. Plants speak to me a lot through dreams, which I didn't, I didn't think was going to happen because my teachers, I think when I first started herb school, even though I had such a, an off-putting experience with conventional allopathic medicine and was turned off of that. I think I still had that, like, 
academia scientific uh, skepticism in me. Mm-hmm. So when I first started my herbalism school, I think my heart was like very closed off because one of our first lessons we had to go sit next to a tree and just like receive downloads from it. <laughs> like this is one of our first <laughs> herb class lessons. They were like, go sit, find a tree, sit next to it, speak to it, hear it. What visual images is it sending you? Like, what does it want you to know? And I'm like sitting next to it. I'm like, uh, I see in my head, like the rings of Audi. Like, <laughs> I, like I did not know. <laughs> I couldn't understand what the tree was trying to tell me. But now that I think back saying that now tree does have rings. So maybe it was trying to say something. Yeah. But anyway, so I kind of was just like, you guys are crazy. <clears throat> did I make a mistake? And I was so wrong because whenever I'd hear all these things about, oh, the plants speak to you, the way my teacher would ask, like, has anyone here met lemon balm before? And I'm just like, what do you, why are you persona? Like, what do you mean have, have they met? He would be like, does anyone here have a relationship with lemon balm? Like when we'd be talking about that herb that day. Yeah. And a classmate would raise their hand and be like, oh my God, yes, we met this year and it told me this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like, this is not on? my experience. I just look up a plant's benefits and ask people about it and look how it was traditionally used. And that's it. That's how I learn. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I was totally missing that hands-on element that you're asking me about right now, which is how do they personally speak to me and how do I interact with them spiritually? So once I cracked my heart open through that first year of herb school and like opened my mind to the fact that that could be a thing and it wasn't like embarrassing to talk that hippie way, like I, <laughs> I started to embrace it and love it and actually be like happy for my classmates when they would share a story of an experience with an herb like that. And I remember like crying on the last day of my first year of herb school too, telling them like, you guys, my heart was almost fully closed. Like the door was just ajar and you guys bursted it open. Um, but yeah, once, once that happened and I just became more open and I opened my energy and intuition and, and became open to the possibility mm-hmm. that plants could speak or send messages, they just started coming in right away. It's like that trust that you and I were talking about yeah. the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because um, last year I had dedicated a lot of my studies to PCOS because I don't have PCOS myself, but I get messages from women every single day who write to me about PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to base my practice, my products, my, what I devote my energy to based on what my community is telling me is most pressing for them. So I'm, I'm always listening. I'm always looking to see like, what are people asking me about? Um, and when they asked me about PCOS, I was like, actually, I don't have a lot of experience there because that's not something I've experienced myself. And I'm mm-hmm. such a, you know, gut health, skin health nerd because that was my that was, personal yeah. guinea pig learning yeah. vibe, right? So I was like, let me look into this because I, I hear it every day. And obviously women need help here. And I could use my brain to blend those wor- worlds and maybe help them. So I got really deep into it last year and started to look at, I did my third year project on it where I looked at um, PCOS from the view of traditional Chinese medicine, from Ayurveda, from modern scientific lens. Like I just broke down all the, the worlds and was like, what do these all have in common? What are the, the basic root factors that are feeding into this both on that like metaphorical gut dampness, liver heat level, yeah. and then the actual fatty liver metabolic dysfunction level, you know, the yeah, different yeah. terms. And I started to get really into this concept of dampness because in Chinese medicine, there are different, again, back to the word evil, right? There's different evils in traditional Chinese medicine that can invade the body. Mm-hmm. So there's the evil of cold, which is why in the winter you have to bundle up and put a hat on and put a scarf on and cover your abdomen and kidney area because that's protecting your reproductive and digestive health from the cold. 
cold is something that TCM believes can kind of come into the body and get lodged there and stuck. So a lot of women, um, you know, when someone is working on their fertility, for example, with an acupuncturist, they're going to be doing a lot of warming herbs and moxibustion around points that moxibustion, uh, moxibustion. It's the burning of mugwort, which is actually the first herb I met in Mm -hmm. herb school. Um, but it's the burning of mugwort in a stick. They kind of like, it just looks like a long stick cigar kind of thing. Yeah. They pack it with dried mugwort and then they just light it and it's almost like a smudge stick in a sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you hold it to your acupuncture point so that you can wow. warm and move energy in those points and those wow. meridians. Okay. So they'll usually you know, warm up your kidney points because the kidney meridian encompasses the reproductive system. Mm-hmm. And they say that often there's a lot of, um, the, the womb can actually be really cold and the womb needs to be really warm in order to be conducive to a pregnancy. So yeah. I even interviewed an acupuncturist the other day and she was like, yeah, I tell women who are trying to conceive to make sure that they're not going into pools a lot in the summer because the cold water in pools, even if it's really hot outside, the pool's always a lot colder. Like that coldness, being in that water for too long, too often can definitely seep into the womb area and the kidney oh. meridian. So it's, it's just very interesting, you know, to, to see these evils that can invade the body. And um, again, like cold and even the concept of dampness, you think of like a damp, dark cabinet in a house, it's definitely going to foster mold and microbial growth, like any kind of swampy dampness. So the same thing happens in the gut when we eat a lot of quote damp foods, like dairy, like ice cream, like sugar, um, fried foods, breads, anything that's really like starchy, sticky, gluteny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is part of why people have so many issues with gluten and dairy because they just are the dampest of the damp foods. And we already yeah. eat a very damp standard American diet. So yeah. when you eat a lot of those damp foods, it creates that damp, swampy, inflamed, sticky environment in the gut. Mm-hmm. And you have dampness there, or damp heat can yeah. seep into the liver meridian and it can create all of these gut problems like IBS and the stuff that I was dealing with. That that was my pattern. I was straight up damp heat, not only yeah. in my gut, but in my skin. It was these like pussy, damp, oozing, cystic, hot pimples, damp yeah. heat. Like yeah. that is the perfect way to think about it is exactly how it sounds. And you could see it in the body. Wow. So um, yeah, you think of these like pernicious evil influences and the goal is to kind of protect yourself from them. And that came up for me in PCOS was that there was just dampness. That was, that was the, the base in Chinese mm-hmm. medicine of PCOS. So they use a lot of warming and drying herbs like cinnamon for PCOS and the yes. traditional, yeah, the traditional Chinese formulas. And then you look at it in the Western science and it's so exciting because cinnamon helps with insulin resistance. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say that that is something I came upon because I have PCOS and they, they immediately saw that that was something that was like really important for, and it was weird because like naturally, just intuitively, I was more drawn to more cinnamon mini things yes. and like not good things though. Cause like you, you do cinnamon rolls and you're like, okay, well that's a lot of sugar. And then so, yeah, yeah you know course, that's very <laughs> damp, like, very counterintuitive here. Um, but like being not counterintuitive kind of, though, cause you can not add cinnamon. counterproductive. Yes. It's like putting in the cinnamon roll is like not doing that good of a job. <laughs> but then I started looking at like how, um, cinnamon pills essentially like yeah. just ingesting cinnamon pills and how that would regulate blood sugar and how good it was for you. And I was like, of all things, cinnamon, mm-hmm. really? Like, and it was just really surprising. 
Cinnamon's great to just bring a period on too. Whenever my friends are like, oh, I'm late by like two days. It's so annoying. I like need to bleed. Cause you know, when you're late, you kind of, yeah. your emotions build up too. Yep. Like you just got to bleed. Yeah. So whenever that happens, I'm like, I got you cinnamon tea, like right mm-hmm. away. And I'll usually, even for myself, I'll take cinnamon capsules um, or cinnamon tincture six days leading up to my period when, when it's a month where I can see and feel that I'm like running a little colder and I've been more stressed and like, Mm. you know, my heat has kind of been drained from my body because of overwork or uh, not wearing socks or eating like colder foods and iced coffee and ice cream. Like I'll be like, okay, I had, I indulged in the cold this month. Now I need to like warm and dry everything. So Mm. I'm going to use the cinnamon for a few days before my period to warm up my womb so that my blood flow is not impeded by the cold and constriction. Cause that's where period cramps come from in TCM is that like you think of cold and you think of like frigid tightening up and that happens to our blood vessels and just the, the womb in general and that's why a heating pad helps so much with menstrual right. cramps because you're right. opening up the blood flow. What is TCM? Traditional Chinese medicine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said it a few times and I was like, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> now see, it's, I love having you on because this is out of my normal depth as mm-hmm. far as like what it is that we talk about on the show. And we've gotten into definitely like menstrual stuff and like, you know, what I'm not so much in the herbal or medicinal path. And so it's kind of cool to kind of really open up and understand more of this stuff. I want to go back to what you said about your first experience with the herb that talked to you about mugwort. Like what, yes. what happened there? So mugwort is a very damp draining, like hot, spicy, pungent, warming herb that like just knocks dampness out of the gut. Um, and it's actually a very magical herb that you can use for dream medicine. Um, so you can sleep with some mugwort under your pillow or like, you know, have it in like a muslin cloth and sleep with it by your bed. You can take mugwort tincture before bed. You can infuse mugwort into an oil and rub it on your abdomen for menstrual cramps and like womb wisdom to like really connect with your feminine intuition. So it's a very interesting witchy plant. And the the legend goes that like you always know where the witch lives because mugwort's growing all around her, Hmm. like all around her path by her house. But now mugwort is so invasive that you go anywhere in my neighborhood and it's just mugwort everywhere. It's like the yeah. most potent weed. And there's a California yeah. mugwort. There's a, the Eastern mugwort that we have here. Um, and so the same way that like the legend goes that you would find it near a witch's house. There's also <laughs> a legend of like whatever plant starts to be invasive and grows everywhere is actually what the collective needs right now. So I always pay attention to the weeds that are thriving like each season and year to year. Dan, we need that liver support so bad and the kidney support with dandelion leaf. Um, but yeah, so mugwort, I just, we, we had touched on her in a class and they were like, yeah, she's spicy. She's witchy. She's warming. And I always run really cold, you know, so my hands and feet are always cold. So I was immediately attracted to that spiciness and that warming and the scent. And it just invigorated me. It just something inside me was like, this is a plant for you. And we had talked about like seven other plants that day and none of them had that feeling for me. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of the times like figuring out the plants that you need is just really tuning into which one piques your interest and you can't stop thinking about. Yeah. So I was looking for mugwort everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to harvest it locally. I'm going to like wild forage it. This is so exciting. And I couldn't find it even though it's everywhere. It was just yeah. right in front of my face at all times, but I kept missing it. Mm-hmm. And like I would, I was searching in all these fields and it just, one day I just realized like, oh my God, this has been it all along right in front of my face. And I like, I uh, foraged a bunch with my friend Nasia and my boyfriend Nick. 
and we took it home and we like dried it and took it off the stems and everything. And that night as we were taking them off the stems and like doing this process together, that's like a very ancestral process. The like the volatile essential oils that were coming out of the plant due to the movement and, and breaking up the leaves were so strong in the air that we were all like, we were like high. We were so <laughs> giddy and laughy and sleepy and like that. Again, that's part of what my teachers say. Like you don't actually have to take herbs all the time to get their medicine. Sometimes you can just touch them, interact with them, smell them, get their oils. And I just, ever since that night, feeling the, the spirit of mugwort come through us and just make us so like open and, and witchy and cool and jokey <laughs> and like almost like sedated in this like interworld space, I just fell in love with her and was like, I'm going to use this in medicine whenever I can, especially for a very intuitive woman who has menstrual right. problems. Like that's that's kind of like how I blended everything together. A very intuitive woman who has really strong dreams where she wants to work with her dreams and remember them and has menstrual problems and runs colds and has some digestive issues. Like that would be the pattern of mugwort. So that's mm-hmm. when I kind of started to, to shape that pattern match. together and recognize the person who would be a match to it, which yeah. was definitely me at the time. <laughs> yeah. How do you, so this sounds fun, but like for me, I have like ridiculous allergies. And like going into a field, that sounds fun, but that is not going to be something. That I'm Let's modulate your immune response. Let's yeah. bring that immune response down a little bit. Let's use some mushrooms. Do you like mushrooms? Um, not real. What kind of mushroom? No. <laughs> well, we could we could go as simple and tasty as shiitake, or we could move into something like maitake. Reishi is going to be really, really bitter and gross, so we're not going to go into that yet. But Someone like you who, like, the, one of the first things I ask people in an intake is, do you have allergies to what, how often, is it seasonal or is it year-round? Mm-hmm. And someone who tells me, oh, I have, I have some serious allergies. It's always happening. Any plant I touch, like, I'm Especially reacting to. Fall. Oh, right. really interesting. Not in the spring. All allergies are, are, uh, are interesting to me because I think there's that, there's like a fungal aspect, but I haven't quite figured mm-hmm. that out yet. Something about anyway. the trees falling down. Like yes. really messes with me. Um, if I'm going into a field, I'm obviously allergic to pollen. I have hay fever and the whole thing, but like there is a plant. I have a hibiscus flower out on my balcony mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, I'm kind of mad at it because like, it's super dramatic. The plant is super dramatic. <laughs> like if you don't water that thing twice a day, it's already like, mm, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to like shed all my flowers. Um, and so a part of me is like trying to keep this flower alive, trying to keep this, like this big budding plant, these herbs alive. And then, um, at some point I just kind of touched one of the flowers and I was like, you know, what's going on? Like (laughs) talking to the plant, what's going on? Are you not happy here? Do I need to plant you in the ground somewhere? Like, do we need to break our relationship Mm -hmm. because it's just not doing very well. And that day I, because I touched it, my allergies went absolutely nuts. And I was like, I'm allergic to the plant. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> That's so why kinda, you guys weren't getting along. Right. And I was like, kind of like, maybe they were like, Hey, yo, like, this is not like, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to get out of here. This is not, I know that I'm not good for you kind of thing. And I was like, mm. I can't enjoy plants and herbs the way I want to, because I have so much, uh, response to, it. I basically have succulents because yeah, they're not, they're not giving off anything I'm allergic to. So there's a few things going on there. One is that you would probably need liver support and knowing that you have PCOS, that's always like a dead giveaway for Mm -hmm. liver support, which we can all use. Like it's not not just a PCOS or allergy thing, but it's even more so pronounced because the liver is responsible for um, getting rid of and excreting 
any sort of metabolites, chemicals, compounds, whether external or internal. So what your body's doing is producing a chemical in response to pollen, Mm -hmm. which is called histamine, of course. That's why we take antihistamines. And that histamine has to go through the same liver detox pathways that your hormones are going down, Mm -hmm. that pesticides are going down, that heavy metals are going down, that any other like um, cellular waste is going down. So we kind of have this like liver bucket or like this mm-hmm. histamine bucket or where we can only handle so many things kind of going down the funnel at once until yeah. things get clogged. Yeah. So first and foremost for you, liver support would be key. And then obviously I would take that into account in a greater formula that addresses some of your other issues. I would do an intake of like, okay, how are you sleeping? How's your mood? How's your energy levels throughout the day? Um, you know, what are like the top two to three concerns that come right off the top of your head that you'd like to address over time with me? Um, and just get to know more of your personality and your weak spots so that I can formulate with the plants that will kind of pick those up and help with those. We're going to do so, this in the after show. I want to, I want to hear how this goes. And so our Patreon people can listen to that and see how you do that. Yes. That would be a really interesting process. Um, but I would also modulate your immune system because if the fact that you're reacting to pollen, which is part of the environment, means that your immune response is overactivated all the time, mm-hmm. which means that your nervous system is probably also overactivated all the time, which Girl. could be part of why you're so sensitive. Uh, yes. That whole empath thing is very real. Someone told me once that people who, um, not someone, someone, I did some research. I mean, I, I'm in the aliens and all the kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, but someone said that souls who have come in who are um who are like either really old souls or souls that have come in incarnated from other planets usually Mm -hmm. have more ailments because Mm -hmm. their bodies cannot modulate to this atmosphere as well and so you have a ton of allergies and stuff like that because of your deep sensitivities i'm saying this and it's 11 11 the pleiadians are like yes Yes. So you know about the Palladians. Okay. Of course. Um, I have some. I'm, I'm crunchier than I seem. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I have some connection to the Palladians and Sirius uh, planets. So anyway, so as I know, I, like I've had, I've had loads of ailments and then allergies and things like that. And so um, the, what you said, the overloading of the nervous system and me just yeah. feeling sensitive all the time, picking up on people's emotions and, you know, whatever other people who are listening, who are mediums or psychics or even just people who are sensitive, hypersensitive yeah. people, you know, um, being able to connect with those energies around them constantly and feeling that sense of, yeah, the nervous system is like on, on. And like, yeah. I have to make a very conscious decision to always make those boundaries in order to not be overloaded. And that's what my teacher always talks about with autoimmune disease is that usually people who have an overactive immune response and autoimmune disease, you think about the metaphor for the immune system where it's how we interact with the world around us. Mm -hmm. So the boundary there is melted where there's no boundary between self and outside world, self and other um, within the physical immune system. So spiritually, emotionally, what's happening there. Usually those people, their, their way chi, their actual protective empath boundary is also very leaky and weak. Mm -hmm. So they need to tighten that up. And astragalus is a really good herb for that. So I don't know if I would end up using astragalus with you just because of pre-existing dampness and PCOS. Sometimes I find that it's too damp and moistening, Mm -hmm. but you can balance astragalus with something like cinnamon to dry Mm -hmm. it and heat it up and, and compensate for that colder, damp energy. And that's how formulating is done. It's, it's like so fun. these plants together that balance each other to kind of create either a neutral formula or a formula that leans in the condition that you want it, which I think for you, I can already feel would be a little bit more warming. Yeah. So how do you put this stuff together? Are you like in the kitchen grinding yes. things up? Or like, do you put it in pill form? How does it work? 
So um, I either make tinctures or I get at this point, like I just order a lot of bulk tinctures that are already pre-made because tinctures mm -hmm. take like six weeks at least to steep when they're macerating and you have to strain them and you have to get this fresh, uh, I mean, this plant material to dry and eventually process into a tincture. So it can be a bit more of an involved process to make tinctures at home, although that's a really fun part of it. So I'll always be making a few homemade tinctures where I'm actually creating that alcohol solution myself with plant matter. But otherwise, I order bulk tinctures from a supplier like Herbalist and Alchemist in New Jersey, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a, a really amazing herb teacher runs that. And they just create like bulk alcohol tinctures. So I'll just mm -hmm. buy those. I have an herb closet and I have like A to Z, every herb that I use wow. in my personal Materia Medica. So that when someone comes to me with something, I just go right in there. I, I like pick out the bottles and then I figure out my ratios of how much I want to put of each, how I'm going to have them balance each other and complement each other. And then I just mix them up by millimeter, I mean, milliliter, <laughs> depending on the amounts and what size bottle I'm using. So yeah, just mixing stuff up in the kitchen. <laughs> this is like, it's so fun though, because it's like you're this alchemist, you know, this like um, medicine woman that people come to in the village. And <laughs> it like is so, and I, I've actually, like my mom has said that my, her grandmother was like that. Mm. When she, when my mom was born, she had very severe anemia. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just born terribly anemic and her grandmother immediately started giving her carrot juice mm -hmm. and it totally got rid of the anemia. Wow. So like my, my great grandmother apparently knew all these things too, but I, I never met her of course. Yeah. And I just have kind of like heard those little things about her. So In lineage. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And that's like my Macedonian side. So I don't know as much about the the traditional Macedonian herbs but then my other side is Italian. So it's that traditional Italian folklore, which I've been getting a lot more into this year, kind of getting in touch with my roots. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. I love puns. I don't know why people say that all the time. Like pun intended. Um, oh, actually, I wanted to go back really quick because I realized when I was telling the story about dampness and like the evils in Chinese medicine, I didn't yeah. connect it back to the dream because I was saying plants yes. talk to me in dreams. Okay. Yes. So let's wrap that up. Yes. Um, so I had been studying dampness all year, right? And then in November, like last November uh, 2019, I had a terrible month, like a deep depression that I haven't felt in a really long time. And I was doing all my herbals and I was on my routine and I was exercising. And it was like a deep, 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 like generational, like pain in my body and soul that I couldn't, I couldn't come out of. I don't remember the last time I felt that bad. Um, I couldn't even like work that month. It was terrible. And um, I had a dream that I saw my parents sitting in their house, but it was a swamp. It was just like a straight up like super swamp. Like their their legs were like stuck in this goo on the ground and they were like stuck to the couch and stuck to each other. And um, I was just watching them like try to kind of like move around in the swamp. They couldn't get up. They couldn't like they were so slow and stagnant. And a, a very, very clear voice in the dream said, families like that need bear medicine. And then I woke up. and. Right. I obviously the swamp was dampness, right? And I had already been studying that. But then I look up bear medicine and it was an herb that I had been, I didn't realize that this herb Angelica, Archangelica, <laughs> named after archangels, right? <laughs> For its, you know, spiritual properties and ability to ward away evil, like this, this yeah. crazy, bitter, damp draining herb. 
I didn't realize that it was often referred to as bear medicine. I had never heard that term used before, but that week I was obsessed with learning about Angelica. Yeah. So then I had that dream of like family. So it was just this confirmation of like, yeah, that random inkling that you had to buy that book about Angelica or Angelica is totally confirmed. And it's not only is it right for you, which is, it actually helped me to kind of come out of that depression a bit, but it's also right for your family. Mm. Come to find out a few months later, I think that that month of like depression slash downloads and recalibrating was prepping me for my parents almost losing their lives a few months later. Yeah. Um, and was prepping me for COVID in general because COVID is a pathogen mm-hmm. that is very much attracted to dampness. That's yeah. why we're seeing that, you know, all these pre-existing conditions that do predispose you to complications yeah. like diabetes, heart disease, obesity, those all have an element of dampness within them because the microbiome is always compromised in some fashion with those uh, conditions. It's a so, susceptible environment for the virus to thrive. Exactly. This is a virus that really thrives in dampness. And I think like I've always said my, my inkling from the beginning, from March, I've said, I feel that it enters through the gut, that your gut is compromised and it comes there first because I felt my symptoms in the gut only for the first 11 days. My parents felt gut symptoms only for the first like two and a half weeks before they even got respiratory symptoms. Yeah. When we all had COVID. Um, and you know, there, there actually was a, a study that, or not a study, an article that came out the other day where the title was like, new research shows that the virus might hide out and replicate in the gut. Or like, even when tests are negative, it might still be hiding in the gut. Mm. So I know that there's this gut dampness element to COVID that we haven't quite figured out yet. And that's why in the beginning, when people would go to the hospital with just like stomach symptoms, they would scan their lungs and they would already have lung damage because it was just presenting in the gut first. But in Chinese medicine, the lung and the large intestine are the same. Yeah. They're, they're paired. They're, they're yeah. paired organs. So whenever you have dampness in the gut, you're prone to dampness in the lungs. So I ended up using Angelica, not the Archangelica species, but the Sinensis species, the Chinese species in my lung formula for COVID when I was making care packages for my community, friends, and family. So yeah. This dream about dampness ended up helping me months later to not only help my parents, but to help my community and and figure out what kind of formula I needed to create. Wow. Wow. That's fucking powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like that's, that's huge though, especially like, I mean, everybody's super scared about contracting this pathogen and what it's going to do to it. But now that makes sense to me because like this pre-existing condition issue is because that there is something in those pre-existing conditions that makes a very susceptible and vulnerable environment for this pathogen to come into. In the microbiome. Yeah. yeah. And your your best protection is just simply nourishing and modulating and feeding and loving your microbiome because you have the same microbiome that's in your gut is also in your lungs. Mm-hmm. So your good bugs are the protection against the bad bugs. The more they're crowding them out, the less they can even reproduce and proliferate. And obviously a virus isn't bacteria. I'm talking more about the bacteria in your microbiome, but regardless, bacteria help with your immune cells and immune system and it's all connected. So what I've had people do, um, I just, I started making something that I call immunity. I'm going to add it to my line and I'm going to call it microbiome tea because it really is more for your microbiome even than your immunity. It just Mm -hmm. happens to help with immunity because of that. Right. So I started sharing on Instagram that part of what I was doing when, when I was getting calls every day in March and April with everyone saying, hey, my, my grandma has it, my sister has it, what can you make for them? I would put together this care package of 
the immunity or the microbiome tea, which is ginger, orange peel, onion, rosemary, um, and then some cinnamon and clove if you want it a little spicier. I think that that, that helps it a lot. They're all drying agents? They're all like drying, antimicrobial, antiviral, but like very much antimicrobial. Because my theory is that from what I saw with my parents, especially in the hospital, it's not necessarily the virus itself that kills you. We know obviously the cause of death was acute respiratory distress syndrome right. and you know, inability to oxygenate the, the body and brain, or it was right. organ failure. So it's not necessarily the virus itself that it kills you, similar to something like um, HIV. The cause of death in people who have HIV and AIDS is not often is not always the actual virus or the syndrome. It's something like tuberculosis that comes mm -hmm. along, a bacteria that comes along and just takes advantage because it's opportunistic and your immune system and your cells are compromised. Yeah. yeah. So same thing with COVID. I think that the most important thing that people can do is when they have symptoms of the virus and you know, if and when they contract the virus, is actually start to add in antimicrobial agents like the ginger, orange peel, onion to prevent secondary lung infections that are our bacterial. Yeah. I think that's what gets people. Cause for my parents within, for my dad, within an hour, when they finally gave him a Z pack, which is a super strong antibiotic. Yeah. Um, when they finally gave him that, he called me within an hour and was like, I felt a shift in my breathing and he was about to go on a vent. Mm. So same with my mom, she was on a vent. And once they did wow. the Z pack, she was off the vent in two days. Wow. So for them, there was clearly, and also ZPAC is anti-inflammatory, so I, right. nothing's set in stone. But for me, clearly there is this secondary bacterial infection, and we know that happens in hospitals anyway. So right. when you have a virus, it's just really nice to also protect yourself and just guard your microbiome against any kind of secondary bacterial infections. Mm -hmm. So that's what I had people do. When they started having symptoms, I'm like, look, this tea is not going to cure the virus. Your body's going to handle it. Your body's what does the curing. No yeah. herb ever necessarily cures. But you're going to use this tea to actually nourish and modulate your microbiome and get rid of some of the uh, dysbiotic bacteria so that you have more of the good bacteria and can fight a possible secondary infection better and avoid complications, right? Hopefully right. avoid complications. And so is so this people why- People are making that tea, what? So I was going to say, is this why people have such a variable response to the virus? It's depending I, for on sure. what their gut biome is already producing? Depending on what their microbiome is, depending on what their inflammation levels are at baseline. Mm -hmm. So again, in something like type 2 diabetes, for example, you can look on PubMed and you can type in type 2 diabetes, inflammatory cytokines, right? And you can mm -hmm. see that in people who have type 2 diabetes or even cardiovascular disease at baseline, on a, on a regular day, they have much higher levels of inflammatory cytokines, such as IL-6. That's one of them, right? And we know that in COVID, another cause of death for people who have complications is a cytokine storm because mm. your own immune system is producing so many inflammatory cytokine uh, right. you know, cell signaling molecules to try to fight off this virus to actually create and induce inflammation because that's how your body fights things is by right. creating right. a little bit of a fire. Um, but it's going too far to where the cytokines are just, they're, they're storming, they're out of control and they can't stop. And then your organs shut down. Wow. So someone who already has a higher level of cytokines at baseline, and then they get this virus. I think that that's also what's pushing people over the the, the threshold, right. And, and creating complications, but even further, what's causing the inflammatory cytokines to be elevated in diabetes. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's blood sugar levels, of course, and, and modulation. I mean, 
obviously it's blood sugar dysregulation because that's very stressful and inflammatory to the body. But even further than that, it's gut dysbiosis. You can type in diabetes, gut microbiome dysbiosis, and that's what's driving these things. Even driving cravings for sugar is is gut dysbiosis. So you're already having this microbiome imbalance that's skewing your immune cells and skewing your inflammatory cytokines. And then you have this on top and it's just so much for the body to deal with. Yeah. It's an overload. Um, I hope everybody who's listening, their brains are exploding as much as mine is. <laughs> like, good God, organic Olivia, like you've just brought like such a wealth, of, like a volume of wealth to me today um, and to our listeners. And I want to keep talking to you. So we're going to go to Patreon here in a little bit. Um, but like, I just, I just feel like there's so much more I want to ask you when I talk about. Um, I actually have a question for you. Oh, let's go. Okay. When you were talking about the hibiscus flower and you were like, you know, she's like very, I don't know what you said, not high maintenance, but like she was, she was like picky, right? And you have to like water her twice a day. Do you resonate with the hibiscus flower? Well, where you got to water you twice a day or else you're you're pissed? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just wondering, because sometimes we, we can be very much like the plants that we we interact with or yeah. are attracted to. So just yeah. wondering if there was any personality match there. No, you know, that's funny though, because when I went to the store, um, I was like, I want to get some new plants for my balcony or whatever. And I, I love, I'm obsessed with the succulents that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all different kinds of them. They're all these varying colors and they, they, they produce in these like orange and these beautiful purples and greens and you know, whatever. And I'm obsessed with them. Like sometimes I'll bring them in the house when it's colder or whatever. And I do treat them very much like pets and they don't need any maintenance. <laughs> like, I mean, so I that's them. more you. Yes. Yes. And I love them. Ah. Like, I just love how they look and like how they smell and like, I like touching them and they feel very much alive to me and, yeah. and very close to me. And I also have this other, um, I don't remember what it's called, like peace lily plant or something. A lot of lilies kind of grow out of it. And I like that plant okay. It's not it's not a, like a high maintenance plant either. But this hibiscus plant, like I was like <laughs> when I was at the store, I was like really hesitant about getting it. And I was like, well, you know, it's supposed to grow a little bit taller and it can be, look really nice here and there. But the plant itself, it sheds these blooms. Like it blooms and then it falls off and it blooms and it falls off. So it makes my my whole balcony really dirty. And like there's tons of pollen that comes out of it. I have to water it super like and I'm like, oh, you know, Mm-mm. I don't know. I feel almost not bad because I'm like I feel like I want to let this plant just die, but like <laughs> then I feel well, like you just pick her flowers and dry them and make them as tea because actually hibiscus flowers yes. and like hibiscus tea is really good for PCOS too. So maybe you're not meant to have her pollen. You're not meant to have her yes. living. She's trying yes. to die so that you can take <laughs> her dried flowers and make really good medicinal tea with them. Know, but I also even like- the succulents that makes sense for you because of the dampness. They're a very dry plant, so you're kind of going yeah. to what you. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I didn't never thought about that. Okay. We're going to take this to Patreon. Like, I love okay. this already. I like, want to keep talking about this. But before we go, um, can you leave my listeners, especially like with the wealth of information you just gave everybody about herbalism and what it can do for you, what is your lasting thought that you want to leave everyone? To keep it as simple as possible, like kitchen medicine. Again, that immunity that helped so many people when COVID was like roaring in New York, it was literally dried orange peels from an orange that you ate earlier. It was cut up ginger rosemary from your spice cabinet, clove from your spice cabinet. You have so much medicine already in your kitchen and even just the produce that you buy is so much more medicinal than you realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's already like at your fingertips. So just kind of start playing and 
getting comfortable and, and uh, learning on your own. Being self-taught in the beginning is, is priceless. And just experiment and see what feels good in your body and don't overthink it. Don't think that you need a superfood or the most expensive rare herb to like heal your body or heal your gut. Usually you just need those really, really tiny, consistent daily steps to heal long-term. Oh yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. That was, that was awesome. Guys, I hope you got a lot out of this episode as I did. We're going to go talk some more. Um, like, I just love you. Like, you're just such a cool <laughs> person you. to talk to and you have so much to say. Um, where can people find you and get all your goodness? So I'm on Instagram at organic underscore Olivia. You can check out my website at organicolivia.com. And that's where my shop is, where I have all my formulas and my little apothecary. And my podcast is called What's the Juice by Organic Olivia. And I, I go into a lot of these topics there. I have a whole episode about dampness um, and gut dysbiosis and all that. And I have a few episodes on COVID too, where I also tell my parents' story. So if you're interested in that piece, you can check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We were really excited to have you. And guys, um, if you like this episode, definitely send it to someone you love. Make sure to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Thanks. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And now we will move to our weekly wisdom card. Remember that you can go to thelovelyaliyah.com to book your own card reading. And let's see what this week's weekly wisdom is. We have this third chakra, Archangel Shamuel in reverse. Now, the third chakra card usually indicates uh, a type of centeredness and balance and where we're moving as far as our motivation goes and what we'll feel passionate about in order to move forward with. But when it's in reverse, it means that we may feel stagnated in some kind of way. And this just means like probably a nod to Mercury in retrograde that we're going backwards a little bit. And maybe it's more of a time to reflect instead of trying to push and move forward, that we go back and kind of clean up the things that we might have missed uh, that we've swept underneath the rug and need to deal with in order to move forward to clean house. Mercury in retrograde, as I said earlier, always gets kind of a bad rep because it's like, oh, our technology fails and everything's slower and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't think it's as much of Mercury, this planet's problem, as much as it's how you deal with it. This can be a wonderful catalytic time for you to be able to go back and really dig deep and learn the lessons that you were supposed to learn so that way when you move forward you can move forward free and clear it's like a kind of like paying off a debt if you will so in this essence we want to kind of go back and look in and see like where we're feeling delays where we're feeling frustration where we're feeling areas that we haven't looked at where have we overlooked some of our own feelings that we need to kind of process out before we're able to move forward and heal in bigger and better ways. And so I hope that for moving forward for you guys this week, that you'll give yourself an opportunity to do some reflection and give yourself some grace during, during that time period, because it is difficult to feel like we're in delay and have resistance and we can't go where we're trying to go. But more than anything, it's a gift to be able to look back and reflect in order to really, really give ourselves the opportunity to give ourselves the attention that we've deserved all along.
hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.